1: I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com.
2: Welcome to Knife Talk, the podcast for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker, a collector, or you just have a thing about knives. Um, hosting is myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. We also have Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and Mareko Malmasi of Mamasi Fire Arts. So what have you been up to, guys? What have you been up to, Ah,
3: uh, This last week has been uh, a little adventurous, actually. I, so I went down to Arizona... Uh, to the Travis Wirtz Hammer-In, and he had uh, two days of just smashing and information, and it's there, there are a lot of really super talented makers there. We had Mike Quesenberry talking about uh, integral forging and blade grind, dagger grinding, actually, and handle sculpting. We had Mike Tyree uh, who's another maker from Arizona, uh, from Arizona? Who is doing feather Damascus? We had Tom Ward of Tempest Craft here on his, or well, not here on Instagram, but on Instagram, Tempest Craft. Uh, he talked about forging. We had Will Brigham doing Mokume. We had uh, Vince Evans doing, talking about sword. It just. Ton of people, and not just the presenters. So not just super talented presenters, but also attendees. Uh, they've been doing this hammering. I think it was actually started by Tim Hancock, uh, who is also another Arizona this uh, another Arizona knife maker. And back in '92, and um, yeah, so they've been doing it for a while now, and. So the people attending are also incredibly talented, full of information and knowledge, and it's, it's, it's awesome. I love hammer-ins, as I was talking about last week, and one of the things I forgot is, is it, it's also an opportunity, so not only to catch up with people that you already know and have connected with, but also to meet for the first time in person. Uh, some A lot of the folks that you've just been following on Instagram or interacting with through social media, but you've never actually physically met in real life, um, as well as uh, just so many other just new people in general, um, it's uh, it's a, it was really cool and I got tons, everybody like almost everybody that I met said I love the podcast I love what you guys are doing so I think we're doing something good here but uh, it was yeah it was incredible it was really incredible and I think one of the things that really surprised me which is kind of dumb in a way is that you know just personally on my own Instagram but along with we do on the podcast, especially answering questions. You know, the goal is to help people, but, and, you know, you get like little tags here occasionally or something like that, but you know, I don't really realize how helpful um, the stuff we're putting out is until literally everybody, like over a hundred people at this hammer walked up to me and said, thank you. What you do on the podcast, what you share is incredible and it's helped made a difference. So I had people who've won awards. Uh, from taking the advice uh, based, uh, based off uh, stuff we've shared especially like the coffee stuff here on the podcast it's it's really good really inc- just to help like help people up their knife making game and make a huge uh, just just the difference in, in the actual final aesthetic uh, is helping people win awards which is freaking wow amazing. wow, sis. wow sis. Um, but yeah it was a really great really really great event I spent a lot of time hanging out with our brother Neil Kamamura. God, I love that guy. He's, he's just a really, really genuine, awesome dude. He was there with a, a production company called Recoil Magazine, uh, who generally has a magazine, but they also have a bunch of other kind of branches off of that. They're basically a media company. And so what he's doing around, he's been cruising around the country, documenting and meeting and talking with some of the best of the best, best in the knife making business. And so, everybody so, that presented um, at that hammering, uh, Neil that pulled, pulled aside and did, aside and did some interviews and with. Um, but you know, um, it, you know it, 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 there's, there's a huge there's white a, space, I think, that, that uh, other, other media companies, companies have kind of missed kind out, out on in documenting in this way and kind of telling the story of knife makers. And with the advent of Forge and Fire, this really helped bring it to the forefront of pop culture in a way. But, unfortunately, Forge of Fire doesn't do the greatest job in telling the story of the people actually on the show competing. Um, And so, Neil is kind of taking that opportunity that they dropped and picking it up and doing a really great job with it, I think. And so, I'm not sure when all of this content and this video production is going to be put up, but I think it's going to be really good stuff really good stuff and again top top makers from across the at least the united states i think he definitely wants to branch out across the world but got to start somewhere
2: but anyways all right yeah a long form sort of documentary or would it be sort of segmented you know or, you know or the output will be yeah i think it, it's
3: I, get, I think it's gonna be uh a, a series style like you know very uh god i can't remember what that format's called but um it, it, it's yeah, it's going to be breaking down, broken down, I think, into different episodes kind of based on different events or specific makers that he's walking around and working with. And so, not walking around, he's he's dra- he's driving and flying hundreds of miles to do this stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, 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 a like episode episodic. That's what I was looking for. Um, a series of episodes, yeah.
4: Sounds like a good, it sounded like a good time.
3: It was an awesome time. And the food there was awesome. Neil and I actually did some street tacos. We want to do some local style stuff, but you <laughs> didn't necessarily like Hawaiian style, like do some loco moco or something like that. Or I don't know what, poke, but they don't really have uh, that in the middle of Arizona. So we ended up doing uh, street tacos. And, you know, it's pretty straightforward. We just did chuck, sliced thin, salt, pepper, lime, some garlic, seared those off on the grill, chopped up, made a nice pico, and just dressed it up really simple. Some flour tortillas. Uh, and AVO and gobbled it down. It was really good. But there was tons of good food, a lot of great people, a lot of great information, exchanged. I learned a lot for sure. Uh, I've already started implementing some of the stuff I've learned and um, just in conversations, not even from the educators, just in conversations with people. And again, if you ever have a chance to go to a hammering, you got to take it because what's shared in exchange can really take you to the next level, make a big difference.
2: How many were there? How many um, sort of visitors did they have?
3: Yeah, so I I don't know the exact numbers, but they were saying that it was bigger than last year's. And what I remember people saying about last year's, there was there were a total of, I think, 150 attendees. Uh, so I don't know if it's it was right there with it or far beyond it, but the, uh, the people running the show were like, yeah, this is way bigger. We might have to start. Uh, you know, limiting the numbers that can actually come and attend because there's just so many people and while they do have a giant farm and facility and plenty of parkings but it 's just uh where all everything's happening is uh pretty constrained in a way you know a forging area isn 't really that big uh the the shop it, while it is like a two thousand three thousand square foot building it 's broken up into a lot of separate areas, and so doing presentations where you're talking to the potentially the entire group all at once is a bit challenging. Um, but they do a really good job of breaking it up by doing inside presentations where people are just talking and, and showing pictures and stuff like most of what I, mostly what I was doing. Uh, and and then, and then going outside for forging. So it was back and forth and back and forth, hopping in and out so that, um, yeah, people just got the time they needed to, uh, do any follow up, especially after a presentation. Um, yeah,
2: man, that sounds like it could work well. It's like a mini festival over a weekend, like a forge festival, Basically. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fire fest, but a real one without jar rule. <laughs> oh my god, no, we don't want a fire fest. But I
3: think it, it definitely inspired Neil, and Neil's been connecting with some cool people uh, who have really big spaces, and so there could be some big stuff happening in the next couple of years along that line. Those lines, making it nice. kind of kind of a festival in a way, um, which would be take take the hammer into the next level too for sure.
4: Well, I know that the ABS is starting to get involved more with Abana and I know that uh the next Abana uh hammer in they're really trying to get uh, a lot more uh bladesmiths and 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 people involved. So, I think you you can definitely see you know I'm, Abana is under new leadership now and and uh I you, I think they're starting to realize the potential that they're kind of squandering in regards to a lot of us do with how, you know, unfortunately, it's the age of people and whether or not they're using social media and how they're being able to, you know, be their own public relations department. So it's great that uh, Neil and Travis and all you guys are doing all that because, you know, you're, you know, it's a different format now. It's fantastic.
3: Yeah. And I can't say enough about Travis. He was an incredible host. Um, just doing an incredible job helping people find what they need. Even if, like, my dumbass was looking for water, he's he. He's running this thing and he stopped to show me where like the water was. And I was like, This is so dumb. I should have asked somebody else, but he happened to be standing right there. And I was like, I thought he would just say, Oh yeah, it's just around the corner. He walked me all <laughs> walked me all the way around the corner where and showed me exactly where the water was. But he is just as as a host, uh, he is super accommodating and uh, and really just helped set it up so that uh, the presenters could bring their A game and really present the information in as, uh, I guess, consumable of a, of a way as possible and with as little friction as possible. So there's just, everything went as smoothly as, uh, as it could. And, you know, he's got Mike Quisenberry as this, uh kind of, educational coordinator he Mike does uh gets a hold of everybody who's going to do uh the classes and the presentations and together they are a dynamic duo duo along with Travis's right-hand woman Miss Lisa uh yeah they just made it all happen it was it was a really it was it was a really good event for sure I I hope I hope to do it again
2: many times in the future it was a lot of fun nice nice what about yourself Jeff what have you been up to
4: well, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know how it is. Um, you know, it was a, it was uh it was. A, you know, we were We got work done. I, uh, I had to try to this this uh, week and next week, the next two weeks too uh, are like critical to us getting on schedule and catching up with some work, so I can kind of start implementing our new plan, our new business method, and part of that has to do with me uh, on these timelines and. It's good, and I had a chance to kind of um, do a little bit of a little couple side projects uh, this past week, which were fun, and, you know, it was a lot of catch-up, a lot of catch-up, a lot of nose to the grindstone, and, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, try to keep up keep it on. next. Well, I try to get to that next flag. We have these, you know, very tight deadlines that are going to help this business, and, you know, that's what I'm focusing on. So
2: nice. Nice. Yeah.
4: You know, a little bit of little, doing a little bit of sculpture. Yeah? Huh? Huh? Whoa. Did a little bit of sculpture? Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. I
3: did I saw the fishing lure saya That was uh, awesome.
4: Yeah, I it, it's been something that's been on my mind for for, you know, look, I've been making giant lure sculptures for almost 20 25 years and it's always been something I've been trying to incorporate and uh, you know, I, all this saya talk. I, I I was uh I was, I don't know, it was last weekend, I just like I just to cut some wood up and made us put a slap to side together. And I started to paint it like a, one of my fishing lure sculptures. And that was fun and working, talking to people about uh, coatings. And I'm actually going to start to do full, you know, the saya plus the handle. I'm going to start painting the handle. I got some messages for some guys who you know, I really respect who are saying, you got to do that. And I was pumped about that. And I've been researching coatings and stuff like that and talking to people about how I can preserve the, you know, make it, uh, coverable. And I was looking into actually, you know, I don't know if you guys know bar toppers. It's like a epoxy that they put on tops of bars. Um, it's like, you know, what you, you pour it mm. on. And I was actually going to use some, uh, lure techniques, lure-making techniques, and I was going to make a, you know, these, when these guys make lures to use, they make these little rotisseries, and then they use epoxies, they spray on these epoxies, and then the rotisserie kind of does a slow centrifugal force that keeps the the runs from running, and it allows the, it, to, to, <laughs> it, it allows, the, allow, it keeps away from runs and drips, and I was actually yeah. looking, I used to do that with some of my, my lures, and I'm going to start to do that now, and I'm looking at this bar topper, and, and uh, my buddy Jonathan Porter, Doghouse Forge, who listens to the podcast. He uh, he was she told me because I was worried about I was worried about uh, toxicity, and he was saying he found this one this type of bar topper that is food safe. So I'm going to look into yeah. that. I'm going to fool around with some other things, <clears> and you know I'm planning on implementing more. Uh, you know you know be honest with you, set myself apart a little bit more. Uh, try to do stuff that's different than what all, everybody else is doing and figuring out ways in which to blah 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 I love it
3: No 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 I love it I think it's great Yeah it's good I actually no, no, no. when that rotisserie that's something I I've played with a lot of different handle finishes especially with the oil finishes uh it, it looks so nice in some spots and doesn't look great in others because of those 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 drips running and I was like you know what I wish I had was something basically like a lathe or something I could clamp it in, and that rotisserie sounds like perfect because as it's just continuously slowly rotating, it doesn't give those drops an opportunity to settle anywhere. It just keeps everything spread out. I think that's a really that's a cool move. I've never seen one of those, but I would love. Well, to. I, I when go, I was making when
4: I was make when I was making lure sculpture, and I started getting involved with Instagram, especially. Okay. This is now this is you know a number of years ago. I started getting involved with lure makers, and I would watch lure makers and. Some of the best lure makers are in Europe, and they're uh, you know fishing in Europe is a different situation in the United States. Yeah, so You a get lot a bottle of, these... of
3: wine in the morning, <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah these
4: <laughs> guys, I mean, bass fishing in general, I think is so is so huge, but they make their own lures, and the lure the bait is much bigger. So you got guys, like friends of mine, like Ronan Lures, and all these guys in Europe, and and they make these rotisseries. And then the, what happens is, is it really, it really helps. So I actually made a couple sculptures where the rotisseries were part of the sculpture. So I just really bought um, oh. some, you know, cheap electric rotisseries, and then you can kind of adapt it to so you sure. can have. So what I want to do is, I want to do it. So actually, I'll tell you. We're gonna tell you. i are gonna tell you. So if, it, the best way to do it the would secrets be secrets coming out. Well, yeah, look what do we what, what do I got to do? About, <laughs> secrets, no problem. I'm with you. So the 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 best way to do it would be because the whole problem is the way I make my knives and my handles is I put them together and I carve it at the or I sand it and finish it at the end. You know, but while it's on. So what I was thinking about doing was I was thinking about carving, uh, uh, sanding it, getting it all finished and blah blah blah. But only it would the easiest way to go would be for uh, do it as an integral knife because then if you mm. if you make the the uh if you make the pocket in the or the uh if you uh bed the tang then yep. you finish it you can slip it off then I could paint it then I could um mount it to the uh rotisserie through the pocket through the through the bed right. tang part and then yeah. I'm not going to get any runs and then when I take it off all I have to do is bump the 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 Entry way for the bed of tang and then i'm not fucking the finish up especially if it's yeah. a hard if it's a hard finish like that bar topper finish which i'm hoping for so that's yeah, the, the, the idea that's the idea because the scales it's too i've i actually did back in the day i did do uh scales uh knife scales and i painted it on the knife and it was such a production and i just didn't think it looked great but if you can separate it out if you can separate the handle out and the last thing you're doing sure. is just epoxying it on without having to touch it again, you know, you do let what you would refer to as that, you know, whatever the uh, the museum finish or that, uh, you know, that finish yep. with the where that's the, where just what off. I was
3: just about to say. That, so that'll I mean, that you that
4: buffer zone. Yeah, that would be that's the only real way. That would be sick, the dude. only real way that it would look because you know you don't want drips. You don't want you don't want. I don't want to have to f- touch it again. So that's the right. game plan. So I told you my game plan. I haven't even done one yet, but uh, hopefully, I, as of now, before. We actually just, I actually, I, you know, if this lands, Tony, just, we put it up, If you might be the first to, to see, we put it up on the website to sell direct, so we'll see, we'll see if we can move the, the original saya with the, and that knife I did with it was one of the knives I forged on the ice, so. Yeah, no. this is fun. You know, look, look. Yeah. At some point, and I've said this to you, you know, uh, you know, break the fourth wall. We, At some point, we should do one episode where we're just talking about the fun of knife making and none of the business. Because I sometimes I think we <laughs> I think as a podcast, sometimes we focus too much on the business. And I think it we take out a little bit of the joy for some people. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. We've got some joy coming up in the show. We've got some joy coming up later. Um, Me, this week. So I'm getting ready for quite a big order. So I had an order for two dozen um, table knives. Um, So I'm out of the country at the moment. I'm in the UK. Um, I return on the 1st of April. So it's just been a case of getting all the materials ready, getting them all ordered. So when I arrive back on the 1st, everything's there, ready to start. So the steels yeah. ordered, the, uh, the the wooden material, the handle materials are ordered, the G ten, all that kind of stuff. It'll all be waiting for me. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I've got, next week. I've got the um, axe making course with Alex Pohl in in, oh, yeah, that's uh, be in great. Bath. So looking forward Th- to that. That's that black. I was
3: wondering when that if you had already done that blacksmithing course or not. And that's that's this coming up, right?
2: It's not. I, I put the blacksmithing oh, course yeah. on hold because that was a full week, oh, okay. and um, with with the new babies, it's, it's it's a bit of a nightmare. So next weekend is the axe making course, which I think is going to be it's going to be fun. They, I think they were doing one this weekend first, and then I'm I'm on the second load, which is next weekend. So looking forward to that. Um, and I've just been in the UK, so we've come back, and there's quite a big rugby game, uh, which which happened yesterday, which is why my head's a little bit spongy today. Oh, it is um, St. Patrick's uh-huh. Day, by the way, right and now. And it's St. Patrick's Day as well, yes, yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah yesterday was um, a, big, uh, a big, big day um, here in Wales um, for the rugby, and uh, we can talk about that a bit later. But, um, yeah, so we're just getting all my ducks in a row ready for this big order, which will start on the 1st of April. It's probably going to take two months, just solid work on just this one order. Um, so it's exciting. Yeah, it's all good, all good. That's awesome. It. So
3: after you take this axe course, you're going to properly be chop knives because you're going to be making these axes. you're going to be doing these kitchen axes have you seen people doing those oh, Ugh.
2: terrible get out of my life get out of my life is, that, is that, another fan that
3: nobody's into
2: <laughs>
4: nobody's into axe. it
2: no I don't, I don't think it's needed to chop a celery no
4: nah. just right, to, right. just to let you know that uh alex's style of axes are beautiful because they're not they're not they i i don't know if it's would be considered a bearded axe, but at the top of the the top the ones I've seen of his his camp knives his camp axes are really really beautiful and they're just they look he does a progression of how he forges them. It just, you're going to have a great time. He does a, He's a, is a really going to be a great blacksmithing class. He spent a lot of time at Grantsville Brooks as well, working with them and their axes.
2: Um, so he's, he's learned from the best, you know? So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting.
3: Ax- axes yeah. are a great way to learn how to move material. That's, a, that's probably the most challenging part about blade smithing is understanding how to move the material. And Anybody ever asked me, I always tell them to take a blacksmithing course, but axe smithing, forging axes is even more challenging, especially if they have a beard because then you have to pull that material down and you figure that out. You'll never have problems at the heel, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited for you. I
4: actually yeah. wish I could take this class. <laughs> it's going to be cool, and I got a feeling if it's an introductory class, I don't think you're going to be f- – Forge welding a bit in. I think it's going to be straight forging the axe, and the axe is the tool steel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen the billets that they're using because they put up a picture for. They've got all the billets ready for this weekend's class, um, and they're, they're just these big fat billets. Basically, it's going to be it's going to be good. Talking about axes, did you see Sunset's axe that he auctioned off this week with the demand? That was yeah. that somebody was got a
4: somebody got a bargain on that one. That was that axe. Yeah. That axe was uh, awesome because. He actually, uh, one of our, uh, Joshua Prince gave him the Damascus bit or gave him a piece of Damascus and, and Sonny made a use and he sunset made a, uh, an ax with the, uh, with the bit from, uh, Josh. So it was a great little ax. It was an awesome ax. I, I, it's really cool. I wish I had something to cut. I, I I'd get an ax. If I had something to chop, I don't have anything to chop.
3: You need to do. You need to go camping more. Is what you got to do. Then you need. I'm
4: tired. You know, camping to me anymore. (laughs) Camping to me is so. It's so over right now. I we used to go camping all the time, and it's like it's always the packing up and the you put it together and it looks great. And then the worst is when you're all trying to get everything out and trying to pack it all. Ugh, gross. I I I love it. It's fun.
3: Did did your parents do it for them or for you guys? My parents never took. me you to do it for.
4: Oh, you can't. Never, okay, too never I take my go camping with my 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 wife and daughter. We go we used to go camping a lot, at least I once see. a summer, and we liked it. But it's just like we now all of a sudden it's just like all right, we got it. We There's a lot going on. Yeah. Ah, it's just like none of us are interested anymore. You know, it's just like all right, well, you know, beautiful. well, let's just put up a tent. It's fine. Nice. But then when you're pulling it all together, and and really, if you're going on a camping trip for two days, you're really going to bring an axe. Sure yeah. need to chop some right. wood, firewood, surely. Right. Well, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I guess you're, gonna, you're not going to oh. bring like a, a box of box of wood, all right? All right. Whatever you say. Yeah. Well, I want to
3: take a second to talk about one of our sponsors, it's AMK Concepts. They're amktactical.com. And uh, they are offering our listeners a 10% discount right now. It's all caps, AMK10. And if you go to the website, whatever you, you can get a full on grinder. Right now, they actually have the AMK 77, which is a single speed grinder. And uh, they got it on there for $13.99.99. So, an additional 10% off is definitely going to be getting a hell of a grinder uh, to you for a pretty inexpensive price. And that comes with the 12 inch serrated wheel and uh, flat platen slash uh slack bell platen uh that is all on one rotating arm tooling arm so there's no switching out tool arm tool arms you just unlock a couple things spin it around and, and lock it back in and you're ready to go again um you know they're a family-owned business they're they've been really helpful they've been great supporters of the podcast and uh they they do a lot more they have uh small wheel attachment arms they got all kinds of stuff so it the the the, the code will get you 10% off basically anything uh, that you want to get from them. Uh, they also make little sharpening grinders. Uh, yeah, it's they're just really great guys uh, and with a cool business. And um, yeah, so go and give them, show them some love. If you're needing anything for a grinder, are you ready to step up to a 2x72? Uh, AMK is going to take care of you with that 10% discount code, in all caps, AMK10 at Tactical.
2: Yes, and I mean, they, as you say, they've been great supporters of the podcast. Um, but we're going to be taking a little break with them, so this may be your last opportunity to use that code. So make sure you get your stuff before yeah. that code runs out. But they are coming back to us. So basically, we, we've had a lot of European listeners ask it, "You know, we want some deals as well." So we want to try and help you guys out. So we're going to we're putting AMK to the side just for a few weeks, and they're going to come back with a very different deal. Um, so this is maybe your last opportunity to use that particular code. We're going to have a new deal with them. But next week we're going to introduce a new a new sponsor specifically for our European audience. So if you're looking for a grinder, make sure you're listening next week.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Hurry up. Hurry up, you Americans. Get your stuff <laughs> squared away. Don't. Well, you is a good value, man. Very good value. Hey,
2: man. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Hey man, can I ask you a question? We've had so many questions again, so many questions. Um, we're going to start with one particular question, just because up until now we've been very, very family friendly in this episode. But I think once this is done, all better off. We go back to usual. So let's start off with the first question. And this comes from one of our, one of our listeners, Cody Zhao, on Instagram. It's actually his daughter.
1: The question is, how do you start a knife business me and my BFF Naomi, um, we have a business called Groovy Girls, and we're wondering, um, how to start a knife business. Um, so we are already selling a bunch of other stuff, including rainbow loom bracelets and charms, and. Naomi's never made a knife before. I've made one knife in my whole life, Um, and I've sort of helped dad with um, a knife that he made once, the first knife that he made. So, I'm just wondering.
2: So, her and and a BFF, Naomi, they already have a business called Groovy Girls, um, and apparently they make rainbow bracelets and charms, um, but they want to start making knives, and she's already made her first knife with her dad, so they're asking how to start a knife business, and what I'd say is, help your dad out as much as possible, and make sure he pays you, make sure he pays you, so if you're sweeping (laughs) his floors, make sure he pays you.
3: Yeah, good pay. But also pay attention. I think that's the biggest key is uh, if anybody's looking to get into it, I get a lot of people asking, where should I take classes? Who's taking apprentice, apprentices and stuff? And I'm like, I don't know who's who's open to that. that that's the hard part. Is uh, Getting classes is actually easy. Uh, you just got to be able to afford them basically. But if you're looking for somebody to apprentice with, if you can even get in and just start sweeping their floors, that is a huge opportunity to be right there, Basically, kind of over their shoulder while they're doing work. Especially if you are, um, if you are able to connect with somebody who is hot, super high level. uh, If you're able to get a hold of Jeff and be his next Carl, I mean, you got to pay attention because Jeff is Jeff's a mover and a shaker, and he's got some big things going on. So I'm just saying, no, seriously. Oh, Mr. Childs, I can't wait to hear about
4: it. He's coming back in a couple Uh, weeks.
3: Yeah. No, but seriously, I, you know, I think I think it's underestimated kind of the whole idea of kind of a, like traditional apprentice, apprenticeship, uh, getting in and doing things for people at little uh, compensation to possibly almost no compensation. It's not because people are cheapskates. I mean, think about it. A lot of folks go straight, at least in the United States, go straight into college after high school and they're dropping upwards of like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on education that they're eventually going to have to turn around and pay back. What if you could save that money and go work for free and get in with a job or with a guy like Jeff Fader who can teach you skills. Oh, my
4: God. Don't go you to Jeff become Fader. the next big thing. Don't go to Jeff Fader. Everybody, go to Fader. Jeff Stop. Fader.
3: His email is jeff at fadernives.com. Uh, <laughs> so hit him up.
4: He, you're he right, needs right help. You had that pretty yeah that pretty good you had that at the tip of your tongue right there. <laughs>
2: but look you and your, your BFF Naomi you're obviously makers you're making stuff already so you've obviously yeah. got that in you. So just just keep on making stuff, enjoy it and as Morocco said, you know, look at maybe different avenues. So let's take for example Alex Steele. He left school at his earliest opportunity um, and he just made stuff and and he's very very successful. So just keep on making and keep on
4: enjoying it and you'll go a long way. And the bracelet business is probably a better uh, materials to labor uh, ratio than knife making. Maybe you should stick with the bracelet business because now maybe I want to go into the how do I get in the bracelet business? Because (laughs) I would imagine your labor is much smaller, your your materials are smaller. Uh, Maybe I should do that. Yeah, you're worried
3: about getting edged out by Naomi and her BFF and her uh, bracelet. Look, look I want to. I'd rather.
4: Bro. I would rather apprentice her with with them. I'll learn more from, from them. David. They know that. Look, the bracelet <laughs> business might be better than knife business. So expect an email from Jeff at JeffFader.com. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to be adorned, adorned and bedazzled. Let's do it.
3: Our next question is from Will Freeman Knives. For the next, hey man, can I ask you a question? I want to hear y'all's opinion on the age-old question of whether better tools make you a better maker or if it's all about skill. What do you guys think?
2: They can certainly make you more productive. A better tool can definitely yes. make you more productive. Um, yep. But you know, I've seen amazing stuff done with just hand files and all the rest of it. And it's, it's one of those debates that will always go on. But I think if you're just making good stuff, no matter what you're using – Good for you, and if you can you make a living out of it and feed your family and friends, good for you.
4: It's yeah. it's always I, the it's always the mindset. It's never the tools. It's always the mindset. When something's not working hundred percent, how do you fix it? I I you know it's I like tools and I like buying tools, but I've always been you know that's the blacksmith's mindset too. If you don't have the if you don't have the tongs, you don't have the tool. You make it yourself. When I first started working for this sculptor in Brooklyn you know we didn't have there was, you couldn't buy tweak we had to buy tweaking we had to make tweaking bars for to bend all the steel we didn't you, you can't go to the store and buy this stuff so you end up having to make it yourself and you know sometimes yeah. it looks like looks not it looks terrible and and but it's a it's always how you you know figure out the tools and how to use the tools the best i i'm not a huge fan of you know uh fetishizing expensive tools so and sure, that's, sure. That's what I said. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with both of what you guys have said already. I, I think it
3: better tools will help streamline and help you get more consistent results and help maybe make it the job a little bit easier. But I think ultimately what's important is what skills do you have um, and what can you make happen with what you got. I, I joke that I'm unofficially sponsored by Harbor Freight because I've never – dropped a ton of money on anything I built my own grinder I have a bunch of hand-me-down tools and I think the biggest most expensive thing I've I've Purchased was a hydraulic press, but to make the the level of Damascus that I was that I'm making, uh, I had to I had to make that investment. But outside of that, everything's everything else has kind of been cobbled together. And if you look at smiths, especially like the the Brazilian and South American smiths, like uh, especially like Julian Antunes, he built his grinder, he built his press, he built his hammer, he built his surface grinding machine, he built everything. And I don't know if he's necessarily like super excited about. Building on these things but what I'm saying is he's making it happen with what he's got and if he doesn't have it, he's building it and then he's making it happen with that and then ultimately yeah it just it, it really comes down to
4: to real skill. And you look at guys like Aaron Goff and Michael Trolsky. They do videos about how you can make really nice knives with very minimal tools. You know, they they're with just a file and you know. So it's always like it's always the person. It's never you know. And then but you know, the the nice nice tools make you more efficient, and more efficient makes it better sometimes.
1: Yeah.
4: All right. Shady Grady EDC says, hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? (laughs) Remember, from the last episode, if you say, hey, cutie, well, you're pretty much guaranteed to be uh, questions to be asked. So, hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? I'm going to start making my first stainless Damascus chef's knife. Can you tell me the difference in etching slash polishing stainless versus carbon steel Damascus? Thanks and keep up the great work. That's all you, homie. That's Maybe. all you, homie. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's <laughs> okay. all you, homie.
3: We I don't we're, we're, know. Maybe you guys work Damasteel tapping or something up. like that. Yeah, uh, with my experience of Damasteel, it's pretty similar. Obviously, when it comes to hand sanding the blade versus carbon steel, the, the stainless steel is, Damascus is way more wear resistant, so you got to put a little bit more elbow grease into getting that finished out so it's ready. Uh, but otherwise, it's, it's almost the same. Um, I think uh, who is it? Todd Beggs, who's a custom knife maker. I can't remember where he's at. I think he's in Las Vegas or Nevada or somewhere right now. But Todd Todd Beggs is kind of the one of the one of the personalities of of Damasteel represent. He's a representative of Damasteel in the United States, and he has a really great video uh, of etching and then pulling out the contrast on some of the steel that he's made. Uh, his knives from and so what he's etching in for depth is a warm muriatic Um, you if you're doing this you definitely want to make sure you have proper protection on your hands Uh, wear a face shield because if that accidentally splashes in your face that's not going to be a good day we're going to have another one of those uh, I I will I'll never do that again but uh, you also want it to be ventilated because as that muriatic warms up it will start off gassing And you don't want that in your lungs either. So well-ventilated, proper protection, uh, warm muriatic will help get a good depth etch. And then also in that video, he goes into using then ferric, uh, a 50-50 mixture of ferric and vinegar. Um, And ferric chloride is actually a muriatic-based acid. Um, But anyways, ferric chloride and vinegar for contrast. And again, I think he's warming it and... both don't actually really take too long. I think it's only about five to ten minutes each. Um, but go pull up that video, Todd Beggs, uh, Damasteel etching. I, th- I think it's also on Damasteel's YouTube page. But uh, it, it's it's just a it, that's a that's the best resource I've come across. I've have again I have very limited experience. It is with Damasteel and those his process is basically what I've used. Uh, For bringing it out Unfortunately I've actually seen a lot of questions recently uh, People asking if The coffee process works for stainless And unfortunately it does not Because stainless does a really good job Of maintaining it's stainless status In coffee And nothing happens um, If not very 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 little So don't waste your time trying to do the coffee etch uh, With stainless It ain't happening There you go That's what I got
2: nice job we've got one from it's very apt this because today's St. Patrick's yeah. Day as we're, as we're recording from Shamrock Knives and he says to be sure to be sure do you hand sand stainless pre or post heat treat he's been doing it pre and then just polishing the blade after he says this is the best way I've never done that and that, I suppose that makes sense because it's going to be a lot softer and you're going to get it through your, your sanding much quicker um, yeah. but I generally do it post heat treat
4: and um, what about you guys? If that's your, I, I actually did that once a long time ago because I, I thought it's it's all based, if that's your final thickness, if that's your final thickness, yeah. then that's your final thickness. So uh, I, um, I don't do that uh, because I, I want to try to, I'm trying to go for far more, well, you know, he, this guy might be doing not chef knives. He might be doing, you know, when you're doing those uh, hunting knives and EDC knives, you have a little, you don't need as much, the, the geometry isn't, as important as uh, as like a chef's knife or something like that. So, you know, look, if, if that's your final thickness, that's your final thickness. Go ahead. It's definitely softer. That's why I, I try to take a little bit of material off the stainless before I heat treat because it's just a little bit less material I have to take off later.
3: Let's take it easy on those EDCs and hunting knives. It's not that the... <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, Jeff. It's not that the geometry right. isn't as important. It's just different. And it's so you don't have right. to take it as, yeah, it's, you don't have to take it as thin when you're, uh, before heat treat. Yeah. So right. I w- I would agree if you have little, t- if you can get away with little to almost no grinding after a heat treat. Sure. I would suggest, yeah, that totally makes sense
4: go, to polish it up pretty fine. I, before I didn't hardening. go bad on EDC, guy. I'm, I'm with them. No, I'm just, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I know all about it. I'm just, boy, I'm just guys cheesy. like Jimmy Pye are going to give me such fritz. Oh, boy. Oh, let's not talk about coffee etch and EDC. I know, guys. I know Josh got <laughs> to with your googly eyes. I know you want to talk about EDC knives. <laughs> I got you. Just Everybody just relax. I'm with you. We we need more complaint department questions. Need, uh, <laughs> for only for you guys, I'm I'm done with the complaint department. We might get a monster complaint pretty soon. Okay. Uh oh. Craig got in trouble. Craig's gonna get us in trouble. Uh-oh. Uh oh.
3: All right. Uh- James Mayo. The next one's from James Mayo Knives. He says, "How do you not underprice your knives? I've worked out material cut uh, consumables and ten quid, and at." Sorry, at ten quid an hour of labor, but I can't see anyone paying one hundred and twenty dollars for one of my knives. Oh, sorry, uh, one hundred and twenty pounds uh, is is sixty pounds unreasonable? And I think no, sixty pounds is not unreasonable. No, I don't. Th- sorry, yeah, I didn't follow. Yeah, it's not unreasonable. I think. I think it's.
2: I mean, it depends on the style of the knife. Hmm. I think 60 pounds right. is, is probably about 80, 85 dollars. Um, yeah, and that's not so unreasonable. Little. It's something made by hand. If somebody's, you know, that, that, that's not no, unreasonable but, at all.
4: But, he's saying, but he's, saying, he's saying, should he be selling him for that price? Right?
3: That's what, Have yeah. I not mean, that's how I took your it. Lives. So that's why I say it's unreasonable. He should be asking for more for his work. I, I think people forget that we're, we're performing skilled labor. It's skilled labor and you don't hire a finished carpenter for 10 dollars an hour uh to do work on your house. You don't hire uh, a, an electrician or a plumber or an auto mechanic for 10 dollars an hour. This is skilled labor. Well,
4: wow, but it's the the final product is oh, I don't look, you don't look you, Yeah. It's it's I think you it's I I have nothing to say. I, this guy's got to, like, you know, if you if, if you're skilled worried labor and about artistry. I don't even know I'm not gonna talk about it so I, 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 I if you want to sell your knives for sixty dollars now for 60 bucks so sell your bucks for 60 bucks at you know don't why are you asking me
3: Well but then you start getting to the conversation about are, are, are they diluting the value of other people's knives no by by valuing their work so low
4: no because the person who thinks well I'm getting it I, I can go to I can go to uh, James Mayo and get a, a 80 80 pound knife. Why is you so expensive? Those aren't your customers anyway. You know, our customers yeah. are going to us because they That's want true. our knives. So like if, if James Mayo wants to sell a you know eighty pound knife, God bless you.
2: I, I think I think the issue of this is maybe James is maybe just getting into knife making. Um and he's saying you know, he adds everything up. It comes to about 120 pounds. But he can't sell them for that because he's new. He's got, he's got nothing out there to show people. So he's saying, is, is £60 unreasonable? And there's, I think,
4: no guild. there's no guild telling him you've got ch- to change your prices. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I think, you know, if, if you can sell your first knife for 60 great. You know, then put more time in the next one and sell that one for 120 and build it that way. But, yeah, it's going to be yeah. difficult selling your first, your first knife. And take what you can. You know, there's, there's, there's nobody telling you that you can't.
4: And I apologize, James. I came across a little salty at you, and that's not my intention. I am 100% with you. I'll buy one of your 80-pound knives. Ah, I don't think I will. Yeah, James. I see, oh, no, 60 pounds. You said 60 pounds. I'm taking you down to 60 pounds. I'm not buying. James, I'm not buying your knife. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit tired. I don't know what I'm saying. So,
3: let <laughs> Read question. the next one, Jeff. This oh, is your boy. God.
4: This is, this is fucking, your man. Oh, my God. Can we start cursing now? Yes. Uh, this is fucking Dave Damascus, Dave, <laughs> DK Forgeworks. DK Forgeworks, Damascus, Dave, Dave Cordilla, my homie, asks, what's Jeff's problem with pineapple bacon pizza? And just, you know, the whole fucking Big Mac, uh, 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 Whopper uh, episode was uh, that turned into quite a thing. Congratulations, Whopper! You (laughs) won. And in far as Mm -hmm. the knife making community goes, uh, Big Max can you know got the shank and that's fine. Now, now Dave seems to want to talk about food. So Dave wants to know why I don't like pineapple bacon pizza, and I have I have no interest in uh, you know more food debates. Because it's like, all right, I get it, but pineapple for sure. And, and I say that now, I'm gonna blast him. Pineapple is not for pizza, period. Mm, End of story. I
2: disagree. I disagree too. <laughs> oh
4: my God! Why are you guys doing this to me? You guys like it's pineapple pizza? It's my favorite pie, bro. It's my favorite. No, it's not. you now. Nah, you're kidding. No, I'm not. And any time I get it, a chance, ju-
2: sweet juices come out when it's hot. Oh, they're great. Yeah. I love pineapple yeah, on the this pizza. Is, this yeah, is baby. a bit.
4: You guys are. This is a bit. You're, there's just no you way. You know what I? You there's know what no I like way. doing? There's it, no way you guys like pineapple pizza.
3: Absolutely. I chop up. I actually chop up some cilantro and sprinkle that over the top as well. So it adds a little bit of that earthy, herbaceous oh. deliciousness. Wait, to a the Wait a second. Wait a second.
4: I'm not going to lose my mind like I lost my mind the last time. And, 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 and your this taste no bullshit, and your opinion, bro. I respect your opinion. I respect your taste. But do you use canned pineapple or fresh pineapple? Canned. Fresh oh, if I can get this. it. All right, guys. This is, look. Here's the thing about pizza. Go eat whatever, whatever the hell you want. I, I, I don't know. I'm <laughs> not going to. Can't, I can't go on with this. Um, you know how many people sending me messages? Oh, I'm a Big Mac man, too. I'm so glad you like Big Macs. Look, if you like a pineapple pizza... Enjoy it. But you're wrong. It's just, pizza is supposed to, listen, this is why pizza is great. Real pizza is a very simple, it's about the dough contrasting with the tangy and a slightly sweet acidic tomato sauce with the creamy pizza cheese. You throw mm-hmm. it in the, you throw it in the pineapple and, and it's, now it's an abomination. I don't even know how oh that even started. That started in <laughs> Canada. You know it wasn't even from Hawaii by just to let you know. So you're not doing any you're not doing yourself any cultural service, Morocco. This is not from this is not from Samoa. This is from Hawaii. Well, Canada. I'll
3: tell you what. If I can do that, I'll, I'll put some kalua pork and some pineapple on my pizza. That would be something else.
4: Kalua, you mean coffee?
3: No. that's what it's called. Kalua pork, the the slow cooked pork in the ground. That's what it's called.
4: All right. Oh, Dave's Dave, you know what Dave's doing right thing. now? Dave is listening to the, just to let you know what Dave, Dave's a good guy. He's a member of modern forge, but he texts me while he's listening. It's like I, he needs, he needs direct. He seems to need direct conversation with me while he's listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, Dave, don't text me about this goddamn pizza. Okay. I'm not interested. You're wrong. And you'll never have pizza in my shop with pineapple on it. Sorry. If you-
3: if you either agree or disagree with Jeff, oh, please send no. your emails to Jeff. Oh, no.
4: <laughs> 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 oh, no. You got a good bit sorry, now. Tony. I
3: love you, brother. I'm sorry. I'm with
4: you. Fine. You know what? Leave me alone with the, the pineapple on your pizza. Leave me alone, please.
2: Moving on, <sighs> moving on. <laughs> Simple life kind of guy. And I don't think this is Jeremy from Simple Little Life. I think This no. is somebody else. So Simple Life kind of guy on Instagram asks, hey man, can I ask you a question? Any tips on how to get a seamlessly perfect hole through the bolster material for the tang on a hidden tang knife?
4: What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I thought that, I mean, I i i was, I mean, i, I th- when I read this now, I think he's talking about, he should be, you know, um, bedding the tang that's gives you the seam that gives you the perfect hole but i think these meaning the transition between the bolster and the, the top of the barrel right, right?
3: Yeah. yeah i i would i would interpret it as yeah the transition where the, the joint the joint between the bottom of the bolster and the, and the top of the hand material um i would say just have a nice flat piece of granite or you know countertop drop that you can get for free out of the, the drops box over at the countertop plate. Jesus. I feel like I'm Dr. Seuss over here. Anyways, um, put some sandpaper, put some sandpaper on it, nice flat surface. And then you just kind of take little sanding, uh, I guess, drag, drag the handle material across the sandpaper on a super flat surface and kids just keep trying to fit it up. Just keep going back and forth. Um, I get pretty. I try to get pretty close on my grinder, and then when I'm only off by maybe ten thousandths, fifteen thousandths, then I take it over to the sandpaper and the flat surface, and I start dragging the handle material across the surface at about one hundred and twenty grit, and until it fits nice and flat, perfectly flat joint between the bottom of the bolster and the top of the handle material. But that's me. You got well,
4: what you did go? you do Jeff you, you started I, doing these well, integrals for for uh, uh, for the my hidden tang knives I do a was style handle and then I have uh, the fit up is is really the ferrule part the that's part of the bolster where it's like the first inch between the transition of the the, the shoulder of the tang and yeah. um, and it's easier to kind of take it on and off and then um, I, I just i really focus on that and i drill i drill out from the bottom of the from the handle side of the ferrule i drill out almost only till about an eighth of an inch so i'm only filing away to fit the tang about an eighth of an inch of material so it's i'm I'm fooling around with a lot less i'm not fooling around with uh you know uh using roaches and going into uh really really deep stuff Broaches. i say roaches
3: <laughs> yeah, you spoken. Did I right say now? roaches?
4: No, I was thinking about Damascus Dave. I, I, I actually I was thinking about cockroach. I was thinking Jesus. about a cockroach. I was thinking about a cockroach. That's why I started thinking about Dave. Dave, I love you. You're pineapple pizza cockroach. I, yeah, so the answer is is Yeah, I just carefully is the right answer is uh, you know, less material you have to work with the better. So if you're if if the if the ferrule is if the ferrule is little, you don't have to fool around with it too much. Yeah. There you go.
3: Cool. All right. This next question is from Pioneer Road. He says, Hey, man, can I ask you a question? You, uh, if you could make a knife for anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you make? Ooh. Lorraine
2: Bobbitt. <laughs>
4: Oh, Oh, jeez. Louise. You know, (laughs) uh, speaking of which, speaking of which, I mean, she's, this is this whole, that whole story. I didn't watch the new documentary, but they're really changing the way we think about that whole case. Really? Yeah. That, that, uh, that, uh, that the husband was really a piece of shit and, and he does, you know, he was a, you know, a real bad guy. So. No, I can imagine. I completely imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice job. Lorena yeah, Bobbitt. I, <laughs> I
2: don't know who. I don't
4: know who. I, oh, you just said, Sir Lorena Bobbitt. All right. Boom. The penis
2: chopper.
3: The penis chopper. Oh. The penis chopper. <laughs> you make a penis chopper in your new blacksmithing
4: class. The oh, axe. Jeez Louise, man, that's a hard. That's a hard <laughs> thing to say, so to speak. Taking Aha! down that timber. Well, who's it going to be, what there, you? homie?
3: What, who's it going to be? i know i have been trying to think of who. Uh, I, I, you know because i specialize in the chef's knives i would want it to go to somebody who is who would really justify or i guess i don't know not justify but just who would really make good use of the knife as a tool and um yeah. the the first thing i I, keep, I think of are people who have been like Game changers for the culinary world. And I think – I don't know. I think it would be cool to build a knife for like Paul Bukus or somebody along those lines. Oh. Or um they just – somebody like Paul Bukus really helped bring – I guess kind of brought – helped to bring the culinary world together in, in a uh, – with a level of camaraderie versus the level of, of competition that – I think was being experienced before that. And uh, I think by bringing everybody together and in a friendly competition, um, it helped cultivate a culture where people are, you know, are sharing and helping build each other up instead of trying to tear each other down. I really like and appreciate that. And, uh, and, you know, he was a very talented person himself. And so, yeah, I think it would, it would go best, uh, get the best use from somebody like Mr Paul Bukus.
2: Good. I'm going to change mine actually. So forget oh, Lor- oh. forget Lorraine Bobbitt All right, so she, forget she, she her. She had a chance. She had her chance. Um it would be Jamie Oliver and I know a lot of people think, "Oh, he's not much of a chef," and he gets a lot of stick for it. But back in the, you know, mid, well, early mid-90s, um there weren't cool chefs on TV at all. They were all pretty right. stuffy um and, you know, Cooking and that kind of thing was generally, you know, certainly for me and my generation growing up, where where I lived, it, it was it was something that the girls did, boys didn't do that. And he made it cool, so he got me into cooking. He turned me onto it, um, and I'm sure there's millions and millions of, of others. And it's not just his cooking now; He's, he does all this sort of social improvement stuff as well, uh, particularly in the UK. Um, so I'd love to to make a knife for him, and I've actually reached out a few times and never had any response. Um, so if anybody knows anybody in his team, tell him I'd love to make him a knife. But um, yeah, you he, a, I look up to him massively, massively.
3: You got to get a hold of Tom McLean, Sharp and Shiny Shop, McLean Customs. Yeah.
4: They're yeah, homies. You, yeah, I'll do it. Get it. Get it. Yeah, yeah, Tom, you're listening to this, you hand picked fool. Help, help, old Craigie out. Help Craigie out.
2: Make
3: it, let's make a connection
2: happen. That would be a dream. That would be a, To see Jamie using one of my knives would be a dream. I'd say he turned me into cooking. He, he's, I'm just a massive fan, massive fan.
3: Yeah. I think what he does to help also with just people understanding not only making food sexy but teaching people how to cook for themselves with simple ingredients I think is, makes a hu- huge difference. It has made a huge difference. I, th- I think it's, it's a good person. What about you, Jeff? Did you figure out somebody uh, else?
4: I'm going to go someone you probably didn't even think I would I'm not I'm gonna go a little sentimental, believe it or not. I, I would probably oh dig up I would probably dig up my old dead grandfather and give one of him a knife. Zombie oh, grandpa, I want my grandfather was a really he was a good he was a really good cook. He liked to cook a lot. He was very into cooking for the family. He used to do these very mm. uh very elaborate meals he would always any when he would go on hunting trips he would bring a huge thing he inspired me in terms of cooking he used to do paella a lot he was really had a lot of uh he was he was the first man besides my father who was really he showed a a degree of cooking that was that wasn't women cooking he was very into cooking and he liked chef knives and he liked to do that stupid thing where he takes the steel and he swings it back and forth you know and it would (laughs) have been nice to it would have been nice to make a knife for him and have him use it i think he would have been you know proud and there you go grandpa dig him up give him the knife put him back in the ground how you like that i give him the knife and i'll put him back in the ground
3: Alright, this next one comes from Black Lab Customs. He says, Hey man, can I ask you a question? How do you handle potential customers that say, Yeah, I definitely want a knife, but then you never hear from them again? I've had it uh, it happen multiple times for knives and other projects. So, how do you deal with people uh, starting the conversation but not following through?
4: You deal. There's no, look, yeah. You know, the funny thing is I was talking to my business partner, Tony, and he said to me, he's like, you know, the most annoying thing is, you know, two out of three people are, you know, they don't, they don't respond, you know? So it's, 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 it's and I, I told him, I said, you know, it's funny you say that because our listeners tell us that it happens all the time. And he was surprised. No, these, these people, are, people are crazy. They, they window shop and they talk a big game and then they look, they leave, you know? <laughs> and yeah. FYI whoever is responding to your, you know, they put a request in your website and then they write to you on your DM saying, Hey man, I filled out a request. I filled out a request. I don't hear from you. 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 I get guys four or five times and I have to write back. Tony says to me, those guys a hundred percent will never buy one of your knives. So if anyone responding, anyone going to your website and they're, they're interested in buying a knife and then they hound you on DMs, they slip in your DMs, hounding you. They're a hundred percent. They won't buy a knife. A hundred percent. Sure. You got to take yeah, it. I, you got to uh, deal. You just got to deal. Yeah. You got to just
3: deal. I, I try not, I think it's usually the sticker shock on my end of, for people. And so I start the conversation out like we talked about last week uh, or the week prior, just trying to get, I I have, uh, a, instead of me having to type it up every time, which uh, helps make the whole process a little bit easier on my end. I have kind of a, a, a blanket questionnaire for people to fill out. And once they get that information back, it helps me give, get a better idea of what they're looking for. And then I can shoot them a number. And at that point, either they're into it or they're not, I've had hundreds of people never respond. I've had even more say, sorry, I can't afford that. Um, but it helps... Nip that all in the butt within the first couple emails, and I'd I, You know, if they, you know, if they, if they're going to do that, I want to figure that out sooner than right. later. It's it's uh, the the guys here at the shop. I feel it's really unfortunate. They they spend a lot of time talking with people trying to because especially when they're doing the larger sword projects, like you really have to get as much information as possible the sizes all the different kind of ornamentation you want they draw out different designs and they work with the people and then after sometimes a couple months of con- conversing and email exchanges and drawing like multiple drawings they'll s- finally get a number to them and the person's like oh i can't do that i was thinking like a couple hundred dollars and like
1: no yeah. and I-
3: you got to figure that out sooner than later before you do all of that because that's that's mental time. Even if you're not in the shop or doing anything physically, that's your brain's thinking about it when you could be thinking about other more important things. And I think that's something to really take into consideration. Um, yeah, Templated
4: emails. Templated emails are going to save you templated, a lot of yeah, heartache. That's what heartache. I was looking for. Yeah, Heart, a lot of heartache.
2: Set that expectation as well. So I've actually got quite a high conversion rate of people sort of coming to the site and buying. Um, nice. I probably get a lot less visitors than most, though. Um, but what I think what really helps, I've always got knives available, for, like stock knives available for sale. So people can go on there, even if they want a custom knife, they can sort of see the pricing. They can sort of they'll know roughly what that pricing will be for something custom. Um, so there's an expectation there already, as opposed to just you know putting a finger up in the air and guessing. They got a rough idea what that price will be. Um, so that's one way, but by, by just having stock knives so people can see see your pricing, because I think most of the time it probably is coming down to pricing. You know, people people yeah. don't know what it would yeah. cost, and when always. you hit them with that cost, it's like ah jeez, you know I wasn't expecting that. Um, but, you know it's always going to happen anyway. Um, but if you can set that expectation early.
4: Um, it'll stop you, you know, chasing your tail and doing a lot more work. All right. The next one comes from Al Al-see, Al-seed, Alseed. Hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? Why do you think <laughs> people, use, uh, people are sharing more and more their ways of making stuff in our time versus 50 to 100 years ago when everything was like a secret and nobody wanted to share these secrets of making knives and stuff in general? Do you guys have any secrets and follow-up question. Do you have any secret knife-making things that you don't share with others? Uh, thanks for a great podcast. So is he, he's saying, why are people being very uh, sharing of, of their information now as opposed to, you know, look, it was 15 years ago, people, I knew people 15 years ago yeah, would tell you shit. Years, yeah. We've got the tools now. We've got the
2: tools and we've got these huge egos yeah. where we want people to like what we do. Um, And that's down to social media. That never happened in the past. That's something that we we, we all have an ego to stroke. Um, But, you know, as well as that, people do want to share how they do things and they want, you know, others to know. And I wouldn't say, you know, it's not about teaching others. It's just about, you know, sharing their own techniques, that kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, it's basically down to we've got the tools now. They didn't have the tools, you know, 15, 20 years ago.
4: But it's also the confidence. It's also the confidence of of knowing that you're not, you're, not, you're not worried about someone taking money out of your pocket. That's why a lot of people do it. I remember being in a, in a welding shop, and we knew a welder who, when he'd go on vacation, they'd freak out because he refused to teach any of his guys, or the guys lowered them, how to do his job. And we'd always wonder why that was, and it was because for job security. If he teaches somebody else how to do his job, then he's not as valuable, and and there there are old school guys like that. And when I was uh, you know working with a blacksmith at a blacksmith shop. There were a lot of guys who wouldn't tell their tricks, and it was because of the the, the this worry of uh, losing money. This is also one of the reasons why um, blacksmithing is this dying art because it just went away. They were, there's no innovation, and there wasn't passing along information. And you know now you're starting seeing more people who are willing to give that information, and because they're like, look, I don't want this to go away. You know, let's just let's just make sure this doesn't go away.
3: Yeah, I would say I would agree with. Craig about uh, social media being a, a big contributor because I think you know fifty or hundred years ago you were limited to either your local community to sell your stuff to, or maybe you or maybe like this this surrounding area as well as your local community. Versus now you through social media you have the opportunity to connect to millions of people around the world which broadens your reach and your and your and your market basically so instead of potentially only having you know 2% of a population of 2000 people you have 2% of a population of 5 million people to try to reach and get a hold of and you know even that small amount um, of that huge population, you will never as a single knife maker or us, I think, realistically, as an entire community be able to fulfill that demand. And because of that lack of competition, even though it's really hard to get out of that mindset, um, there really is The the competition is more in appealing to people in in a way or really not necessarily appealing to people but telling your story and helping people connect to you in a meaningful way. And, again, social media is a a major tool that helps you create that opportunity and that connection with people. Um, And because of that lack of competition, that's – that's one of the reasons I feel very confident and fine sharing what anything and everything I share is because I, I keep in my mind that there are 7 million people in the world who want to buy our stuff. I'll never be able to make 7 million knives. I'll be amazed if I make 7,000 knives. Um, so, I think social media has really cracked the egg on that one and just, you know, everybody... Everybody can has access. everybody has a market that they can connect to. It's just a matter of making that connection
4: now, with that said yes. I have been I have given secrets away and talking talking about do you are there any secrets that you don't give? I'm usually very honest with people. I don't really feel the need to say you know. Uh, no, that's a secret. I actually know a knife maker who I asked a que- a real easy question. and He said, he said, that's a secret. I won't tell you. And I was just like, eh, I don't like you anymore, but I, I've been very, yeah. I've been very <laughs> honest with night. Any knife maker who's asked me questions. I have answered them a hundred percent. I give them everything yeah. to the point where not too long later, they're making my knives. You know, I, I, I got to the yeah. point where it's like, well, listen, if I'm not innovative enough to—this to, is one of the reasons why I'm doing the lures, trying to do the lures, is I'm trying to break away. I, I get a little bit blue it. when people start making my knives and or making my oyster knives or or doing something that's—I mean, it's happened. And, you know, Marekko sends me, when he sees something that looks exactly like mine, Oops. he sends it to me. <laughs> I'm feeling so your like,
3: frustration.
4: Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine, but but at the same time it's like you know that's what do you get? If you somebody asks me my, my uh, asks for help, I give them help, yeah. and then they start taking my help and making my knives, then that's then I shouldn't have given the help. And I'll I won't stop and I'm just gonna mumble I'll mumble behind your back. What are you gonna do? And I gotta be more yeah. innovative, that's all.
3: Right. Well, and it, when it comes to secrets, I, I agree. I, I still have plenty I have never shared, and I I have actually a lot of stuff that people have shared with me. I I will never share anything that anybody's uh, told me in confidence and asked me specifically not to share. Um, oh yeah, but when it comes to my own stuff, that's what all the stuff that I share is my approach to to making. Um, obviously, there's inspiration from all over, but um, I, I think I think to Jeff's point. I actually had a really good conversation with Steve Schwartzer about a month and a half or two months ago, and I was talking about people getting uppity about uh, somebody stealing their style or somebody's uh, copying this, that, or the other thing. And the reality is, as Jeff was saying, you know, if you can't innovate, if if that's all you got, those are the people who really keep the, right. the secrets to their chest, is because they got nothing else. They have no direction outside of that to go, and so they have to hold on to everything they got. But again, I think that's still in in our social media age is an antiquated mindset um, because of the 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 gigantic market that we have available to us. Um, But you know, if you got secrets, you got secrets, whatever. But you know, if I'm uh, you know at uh, what was it the hammer in this past weekend. You know, I, I talk and share stuff on my social media, but there's only a certain amount that you can really convey because, of, you know, because outside of two minutes, you know, it's hard to hold people's attention to go really deep in stuff. But uh, those hammerins, those are those are places where you get those opportunities to to talk technique and and stuff like that and super fine detail and get kind of the pick up some of those secrets and some of those uh the nuances of people's processes and but i, th- I find that people are more willing to share it in person versus broadcasting and i guess that's another good reason to try to get all those hammer-ins but
4: well, I, nice. Craig, what you for saying? me, real quick oh, sorry, is ahead. when when um yeah. when I was dealing with uh, when I was working with Lynn Ray to do his blacksmith knife, he gave me how to do oh, yeah. the blacksmith knife, his blacksmith knife, the X ray knife, and I did the drawings yeah. for him, I did the watercolors for him, and I wouldn't I and I said I sent it to him. I said I'm not sharing yeah. this. This is yours to share. Uh, whatever you want to do, this is for you. This is not me, and I'm not planning on making his knife. To sell, I I know how to I get the idea. I have the blueprints. I know how to do it. I've tried a couple. I've enjoyed making a couple, but I'm not planning on using his his method to to. I'm not use, planning on using his method for my gain, you know. And it's it, and I respect him for that. He sent me some uh, new things he's working on that are really really cool. Look, I, I, no. I, you know I, I, I respect him too much to, to do something. Do I want to do a, a blacksmith type style knife that, yeah, of course, but at the same time, it's like I would never do anything to, uh, to compromise his trust in me. I mean, he's trusted me a lot of stuff, and you know, look, we're on this together, you know Yeah. Craig, do you, what, are,
2: what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, everything I've learned, I've learned from other people. I've never done any sort of formal training. So anything that I've learned has been from people on Instagram, YouTube, and, you know, and they've been kind enough to to help me, you know, when I've had um, specific sort of issues, something that I can't quite work out, I've reached out and they've been kind enough to help me. Um, And Mm. I do the same. So, you know, I'm I'm sure you guys get it as well. Countless messages each week asking for help. Um, And Yeah, I do all I can to help others. You Me know, too. it's it's just yeah. you know. Don't be a dick. Be a be a decent human and, and help people when you can.
4: And if you start Absolutely. making lure knives, I'm going to come to your shop and I'm going to fuck you up. How you like that? I hope that <laughs> I hope that little girl's not listening anymore because I'm telling her I'm going to make some bracelets. That's what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to make them like yours. I promise.
2: Her BFF Naomi will be straight round and she fuck you up. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> whoa! All right, that a boy. Right, we've, got a, we've had some audio sent in from Ross Vosloo, and I think we, we spoke to him in the past. I think he's from South Africa.
1: Hey, man, can I ask you guys a question? Hopefully it works this time. So where do you stand on tradition? So, like, you see a lot of these makers are making tantos or tantos, however you want to pronounce it, or uh, some call them, you know, pucos as well also get it as well, where they make a certain blade. But when you look at it, traditionally, it doesn't meet the criteria of what that blade should traditionally be. Now, some of these really annoy me, um, <laughs> others not so much, where the break from tradition is okay. But what do you guys think? How, how much tradition should be adhered to when making, let's say, a tanto, and then calling it a tanto? How much of the guard and the wrap and the actual construction method should you adhere to for you to actually be able to call it a tanto. As always, love the show. Keep it up, guys.
2: So he's talking about tradition. When is, for example, a tanto or tanto not a tanto?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I see a lot of people refer to their knives as maybe like, like a tanto or a kukri or something like that. And it's not, to, in my eye, when I'm looking at it, and I've seen plenty of historical examples. I'm not seeing a kukri. I think if you're going to make an kukri-inspired or tanto-inspired knife, just say it's inspired by it. Or, But I think what people are trying to do is they're they're trying to leverage in a way but put their own spin on it. And I think it's fine to say that it's inspired by a certain style of the knife. But I think if you're going to say it is a tanto knife or it's a kukri or it's a puko, or it's whatever, it should follow historical aesthetics and 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 weight and uh, geometry and measurements and stuff like that but obviously you can put some spin on it but if it gets i you know i i can't say what the exact like percentage maybe would be of altering the design but i think once you get outside of it too far like it's not a puko anymore it's not a kukri it's not a tanto it's inspired by that style knife. And I think it's fine to say it's inspired by that style knife. But I think too often people are using those kind of buzz terms or or, or known and recognized words as leverage. I, there was a maker a while back who was calling it a knife, a, a they were calling it a Yanagiba. It was nowhere close to being a Yanagiba. But he was using it as a leverage. He was trying to leverage that. Uh, that's kind of like the history of a Japanese slicing knife made for sushi and it's like considered like the sword of the kitchen in Japanese culture and blah 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 but it it wasn't a yanagiba, it was just a slicer and all he had to say was was a slicer and be honest about it but he was saying it was a yanagiba and then he went and started trashing like I don't even know how to actually say that word and it's just like what? don't even use it bro you don't know what you're talking about, just call it a slicer it's a well, slicer. You know, it's look, all
4: right. You, you you put pineapple on your pizza and you still call it pizza. I think the, the Italians would have your neck. You know, be honest with you. So, in regards to that, I, I agree with you. I I I uh, actually uh, was making some knives for the chef and he wanted me to call them <laughs> Yasubas. and I was like I don't know what the fuck that means. And then they look kind of more like a nakiri and I don't really kind of know what that means either. So I just started calling them thin vegetable slicers and I try not to. I try not to make it seem. I'm I don't like black and white. I, I I I live in a gray area. I I think that everything's a little bit on the gray side. So, I understand why people are trying to like guide you down that road of what they're trying to do. And I agree with you. I I I get it. I I understand what you're saying a hundred percent. They're trying. They need some kind of words that are are similar. They're trying to like put themselves in. You know, get your mind into that position. And then look, no. you know. This is everything You know Look we live in this world Where right is wrong And wrong is right And I I'm with you Pineapple's not pizza So There you go
3: Pizza is a format It's a delivery system You can put whatever The fuck you want On it bro Right
4: Right Right. It is a cheese delivery system That is for sure Sure But I'll tell you what That's the Yanagiba The pineapple pizza Is the bullshit Yanagiba pizza So there there you go
3: (laughs) Oh my god
4: Disagree. So, so now, now I just I gotta tell you this is this was so funny to me. So, Craig, you're now in in, uh, in Wales, Wales. sunny Wales, sunny Wales, and you're there. You went to go see a rugby match, right? I did the big one, the big and, ones, and and you had the nerve. You had the nerve to 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 go after one of the players on the opposing team who happens to be a fan of this podcast. Cian Healy, mm-hmm. proper church, and I, I'm going to tell you why this is some horseshit. Number one, number one, you went on the po- you went on the Knife Talk Knife. podcast, <laughs> and you 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 took a picture. You took a picture of our man, proper church, Cian Healy, playing. See him. Tiam. All right. Sorry. I don't know. I'm, I'm look. I don't know tradition. See, obviously, he's the Yanagib of rugby. So it, w- when uh. I felt that, I felt that it, was really, it was really crazy that you were to take a picture of him and say, I can't wait to see him lose. Let, let me put some context into yeah, this. Let ahead. me put, give you some context. So
2: for those that don't know, the, the Six Nations is, is a big, big rugby tournament. So it has Wales, Scotland, Ireland, England, France, and Italy. And every year they, they all play each other and it's sort of a point system for winning you know and you can win the championship and all the rest of it now this was a, a huge game for wales because if you win every single game it's it's a grand slam it's you know you've won the grand slam and that's massive and it's the, the national sport here in wales and you know it's just as big in ireland as well and yeah you know, obviously t- tomorrow or t- today rather is st patrick's day as well so cardiff which is the capital city of wales was just Chocker block full of rugby fans, Irish, Welsh, everybody gets on. It's it's an amazing weekend. So th- there's a lot riding on this. So if we win, we win not only the championship, we also win the the Grand Slam, which is which is just incredible. And we're coming up to a a World Cup year as well. So this is you know this is before the World Cup. If we go into the World Cup as Grand Slam winners, it's it's good. So I was a bit fired up. I, I, I was, it sounds like yeah. a hell of, an, hell of an apology now, because Cian's a big guy. Yeah! <laughs> <So> <laughs> I was fired up. I'd I, I maybe drunk a, a little, little, little too much. And uh, we've been sort of fritzing throughout the week as well. We've been sending DMs, and you know, he's saying, I'm going to spoil your weekend. And you know, there was a bit of a build up <laughs> to this. So it was, it was just friendly banter. friendly. And I knew he was on the pitch. I was watching him on the TV. He's on the pitch. So he hasn't got his phone with it. I'm not putting him off his game. Um, and in fact, he, he played an amazing game. He was a complete tank. A complete and utter tank. And it was a, it was a fantastic game. Whether you're, you're Welsh, Irish, even, even the English would have would have appreciated the game. It was it was an incredible game to watch. But, um, yeah, Wales were victorious as the Grand Slam winning nation. Wow. Well,
4: congratulations, congratulations, but you misrepresented me and Marekko because we're on his <laughs> team. We're, we are proper uh, church all day. <laughs>
3: uh, or I am proper church. Who went and voted for the Whopper voted for the Big Mac using the Night Talk podcast account no you oh, did yeah.
4: oh yeah well you know that's people
3: yeah. look, look and I, talk about talking shit you called a 13 year old kid a little bastard <laughs> and a prick last week <laughs> So, well, I don't know why you're calling out Craigie.
4: I'm calling out Craigie because we don't have that many professional athlete fans, and why would we go after them? <laughs> we, was, I mean, it was crazy. It was and, friendly banter. And friendly banter. number two, number two, number two, I like that kid. I actually, I actually like him very much, and I, you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but I sent him a pair of tongs because I saw that he was heat treating with pliers, and I had paid I, I, I was going to send those tongs to Craig, but I wanted to send them to uh, Walker because Walker's a good kid. And, I, and I, 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 he's a, he deserving, and I know I, he, he, was, he was a good sport. But this isn't about him. This is about, this is about going after a professional athlete, our, probably our <laughs> most famous fan. And he's probably listening to this wondering why he got his ass handed to him by one-third of the podcast. <laughs> Not by me. By drunk... By drunk a drunken hooligan. <laughs> a drunken <laughs> Listen, hooligan. I would never I would never have said anything to his face. The guy yeah, damn huge, right you so. wouldn't. Damn right <laughs> you wouldn't. I hid, I hid behind my phone. You said you would have said, Good luck, sir. Good <laughs> luck in the game,
2: sir. <laughs> but you know what was cool? He he was on his flight over to Wales um, a couple of days before the game and he's listened to the podcast and he screenshotted that you know, they're all in prep oh, ready yeah. for the big game and he's listened to our podcast, so thank you very much. Uh, he's again. a
4: great dude, man. He's a great dude he's great now he hangs out with fingal i think right fingal ferguson
2: yes yes i've seen a few pictures of them together yes yeah
4: all right well that wasn't the ass kicking i thought i was going to give you but you know there we are yeah
2: yeah listener jokes we've been asking for jokes from our listeners so we all know that most of us are in the shops on our own um working away with our with our headphones on um so what better way to cheer you up with some listener jokes well, do, you want to take, do you want to take the first, Jeff?
4: I do, only because this is, you know, this is a little bit, uh, this is incredible. Uh, this joke actually comes from my old teacher, uh, Uri Hoffy who recently had his leg amputated. He just got out of surgery. He's on the mend. This guy is such a, he's such a tough guy. Uh, I wrote back and forth with him. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's on the mend. He wants to get back in the shop. They're going to get... Once he heals up they're going to fit him with a prosthetic leg and he all he wants to do is get back in the shop so so uh, the funny thing is is like he was he was he sent me a joke you know out of, out of the hospital he sends me a joke he says uh, this is the joke he wrote me he says, oh these old people were playing golf and they couldn't see where the ball fell and they found an old man with good eyes and they asked him, "Did you see where the ball fell?" And he says, "Yes, but I don't remember." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, you I'm gonna you cut your own damn leg off and then you tell me a joke a couple of weeks later. It ain't gonna happen. God bless you, Uri Hoffe. <laughs> I hope to come visit you next year in Israel. You're you're my teacher, I'm with you. You're not listening to this podcast. But
2: we are using the term joke very loosely here. These are all these Some of these are terrible Christmas, Christmas cracker jokes, terrible. jokes, a lot of them. Uh yes. All right, this next one
3: is from Pollum uh he says, why does a ghost never go to Halloween parties? Because he has nobody to go
4: with him. It's terrible. Uh, Grown. This was awful. This this is gonna be the first and last time we do this app, this bit, because we got some beat beat <laughs> ass <laughs> well, jokes. So beat ass I jokes. I got a
3: follow-up. My my sister always tells uh, around Halloween time, and it goes, Oh, why why can't ghosts have babies? Because they have Halloweenies.
4: <laughs> you know what? I'm not yeah, 100 I'm not a 100 percent I'm not a 100 percent mad at that one. I'm not 100 percent mad at that one.:
2: <laughs> My favorite joke is I, I sent this one to Jeff earlier this week. Oh, what did what did the O say to the eight I don't Ooh, know what?
4: nice belt. <laughs> this, this is the worst bit ever. This was a terrible idea. This is a terrible idea.
3: This is your idea.:
4: <laughs> It was my idea. I made a huge mistake i I, I made a huge mistake. Tim Landini has sent one in. And you know
2: this is going to be good because this has come from his, from his friend's four-year-old son. Why did the astronaut leave the party early? Because he needed some space.
4: <sighs> for a four-year-old, it's pretty good. From anybody yeah. else, it's terrible. But for a four-year-old, God bless you. You did a good job. Here come comes. This one comes from Kyle Pastrel. Hey, cutie, I got a joke for you. What's the nationality of a frog? Could be German but most likely a tad Polish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a good so, I don't know
4: why you're laughing. These are awful. This was a terrible mistake. Go ahead.
3: Actually, this next uh, one probably is
4: the best one of the whole night, the whole thing.
3: Oh, geez. I don't want to read it. I'll fuck it up. <laughs> I'm the worst. All right, I'll, tr- I'll try reading it. You can do it. Hopefully you can do it. <laughs> this is from at MW Blades. He says, a pirate rock walks into a bar and... With a steering wheel down the front of his pants, the bartender asks, "Dude, what? Why is there a steering wheel down your pants?" The pirate says,
2: "R, it's driving me nuts." I'm
4: not, I'm not mad at that one. I'm not mad at that one. I'm not mad at that one. Ethan the
2: Hat has sent one. Did you hear about the two peanuts walking down the dark alley? They were assaulted. No.
4: He also terrible. he also sent a rude one. Should I just say the rude one real quick? Might as well. All right, he said, what's the difference between a garbo- garbanzo beans and a chickpeas? And the answer is, I've never had garbanzo beans on my face. Oh, uh, oh Jesus. Awful, awful, awful. That Cut awful. that one
1: out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ethan the Hat, That's that was terrible. terrible. <laughs> how dare you,
4: how dare you. That terrible. All right, these aren't getting better. Keep going,
3: keep going. All right, this next one is from at... Uh, E E N Y sixty eight. He says, uh, <laughs> "Heyman, oh man, I'm totally, I already fucked it up. <laughs> I don't know how he's yeah. trying to say, <laughs> Heyman,
4: Ham Hamon. I don't know how he wants he's trying that, to say but... Hamon. Oh, I see. He says right. Hamon. Well, I can know. I ask you a question? All right, Jeff, you say that one. <laughs> he's, he's saying Stry- he's trying it, to be clever. Over. He goes, he goes, Hamon. Can I ask you a question? That's terrible." And then you had a hashtag <laughs> two birds with one stone. Although, We're never I'll, doing I'll this give, bit again. This sucks. I'll
3: give him points for it being a knife-making joke, though.
4: Yeah, fine. Uh, this this bit sucks. All right, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> H- 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 keep going.
3: Uh, That's our
4: boy, um, boy!
3: Walker. This joke Walker Hussey
4: from Theo
2: Nas on the Champion of Champions Forged in Fire episode. Um, I got a dog from a blacksmith. I know this because when I got him home, he made a bolt for the door. Mm.
4: Ugh, groaner. Up. Yeah. yeah, but HNH <laughs> is our boy. That's Walker. Oh, Walker's a good dude. I'm with you. He's got Craig's tons. <sighs> I don't know how good he is. He's good. All right. don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'll make... This one's
3: from at Nick Tanner 83. He says, what do a knife maker and a pregnant, pregnant woman have in common? They're both going to end up in hospital, but neither
4: know exactly when. Mm, this is a terrible Whoa. idea. Right, last joke, thank God. Thank God. Let's get to this. Yeah, we should only one.
3: do audio versions of these jokes cuz no, reading somebody else's I, jokes is the I worst. don't
4: think we should do anybody. I don't think we should do anybody's <laughs> joke anymore. This is awful. This is awful. This is, this is my idea and I have made a mistake. I'm sorry. Last one comes from Couteau CLK. Hey cutie, what's the difference between roast beef and pea soup? Anybody can roast beef. <sighs> This is terrible. This is terrible. <laughs> I'm not, you know what? Uh, what is not a joke, what is not a joke, number one, I am sorry. If you're listening to this and you're like, what a fucking mistake, I'm with you. Oh, a terrible mistake. <laughs> a terrible mistake. But fine. What, what can you do? But what's not a joke is our sponsor, Combat Abrasives. If you go to Combat Abrasives... You get ten percent off your order with promo code Knife Talk Ten. Get your belts, your discs, your epoxies, your stabilized woods. Go get your belts from Combat braces Get ten percent off. And everybody's been awesome. They've been uh, videoing and using in, in their Instagram uh, stories. They've been showing us their orders and they've been showing and they've been tagging them, tagging us. We're doing a good job, everybody. We're into combat. Combat's been great. They've been a great supporter of the podcast, and the whole thing is we're trying to give you some value. So you want to suffer through those jokes? Here you go. Ten percent off. That's what you pay. That's the that's the toll. That's what we give. We're paying you back. We're paying you back. Combat abrasives. I'll tell you what.
3: My my shopmate Peter, he used some of my abrasives. That he used specifically the one twenty shredder. And he was so blown away by it, he went in and made an order immediately because of how well it holds up. And uh, I've worked with 120 ceramic belts of other brands. And, you know, after about one blade, maybe two blades, they feel completely dead. He ground uh, a sword with plenty of life still on that belt. And so he was thoroughly impressed by it. So, yeah. These shredders. I don't know. Again, I don't... (sighs) The, I, they, they just blow me away. And I think you got to get you some of those.
2: All right, there you go. Get your shredders, And for those who are interested, I don't know why there's such a, a demand for stickers. People love stickers, but you get a lovely combat abrasive stickers with your order as well.
4: There you go. Get your stickers.
2: And you know what? If you've got brand new belts, you're going to need some steel. If you, if you know, there's no point in having belts without the steel. So where would you get your steel, Jeff? Uh, new Jersey Steel Baron, of course. Where'd you get your, your your steel, Morocco? I get mine from New Jersey Steel Baron. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> they got they got a new website coming soon, um, and they're going to be have a special deal every week for our listeners. So we're just waiting for that to go live. That's any day now. As soon as they do, we're going to be giving you different deals every week so they sell steel in any amount that you want whether it's just one little bit for one small knife or whether you want big sheets they'll do it all for you they'll even do water jet cutting if you've got patterns you can send their way they'll supply the steel they'll cut them and you get your blanks um, mailed straight to you they, they do it all they do it all so listen out for hopefully from next week we'll have special deals with New Jersey Steel Bank. we're just waiting for their website to go live
0: Community
3: showcase. Um, All right, so this is the part of the podcast where we show some love for uh, some makers that inspire us, uh, who do great work, and and we just want to give them a shout out and give them show show our love and support for them. And uh, yeah, Craig's going to kick us off again this week. Who do you got this week, Craig?
2: Mine is the Blank Space, and they make incredible sort of hybrid um, wood and resin. Materials, You know, whether they're blocks or scales, they're just incredible. So I've talked in the past about um, Rob's Wildwood, which I'll use for, you know, stabilized woods, which are beautiful. But the Blank Space do something different. They, they as I say, they make these incredible resins and they make I mean, almost like space scenes. They look as if you're looking into, you know, classic pictures of the Milky Way, that kind of thing. They're incredible. So it's the underscore blank underscore space um, on Instagram, and they do they do regular auctions um, for their stuff, or it's just the blank space dot us um, to go straight to their website, and they've always got stock there. It's just incredible. It just blows my mind how they get these resins and they they get them looking sparkly, and they're beautiful, beautiful stuff. So that's the blank space.
4: I'd like to give a little love to a a knife maker who really is very inspiring to me, and he's a good dude, and uh, it's Jordan Lamoth Blades. Uh, Jordan is uh, an ABS journeyman smith. He makes exquisite knives, uh, lots of hunters, uh, takedown knives, and... Really, he's really, really talented. He just actually put up a, a pair of tongs, uh, not tongs, a pliers that he just made that are just incredible. He's a super, super guy. I think he's also. I think he and his family are have a are are actors or in musicals or he's a he's a very interesting character. He's a good guy. He's a supporter of the podcast. He makes incredible work. Very, very inspiring. Jordan Lamoth blades. Love it.
3: This week, I want to give some love to Andreas Kalani. Uh, So I met Andreas actually, I've seen his work before, but I'd never actually met him. And he was at Travis's Hammerin' this last weekend. And he is a super, one, he's a super nice guy, but he's also a super talented knife maker. He does, uh, I think he does mostly stock removal presently. And he does more of a tactical kind of approach, uh, tactical style knives and EDCs. But uh, at the Hammerin', um it was really great just getting to meet him and know him he was a tremendous help he took tons of of uh video of everybody uh if you go look at like mike tyree's instagram page or mike Quesenberry's page um he put together videos for them to then turn around and post back up and it was just it's incredible at an event like that to have somebody helping in that way because what like whenever i go to an event like blade show or these kind of hammer-ins or anything i am the worst at doing anything when that's like the greatest opportunity to take pictures and get pictures with people i literally did not take a single picture the whole time i was there uh and that's just because i forget and i I black out when it comes to doing that when i should be taking probably plenty of pictures to then turn around and share and show on social media and stuff Uh, but thanks to andrea's Um, I was able to get some photos and I haven't put them up yet, but I'll get some photos up of, you know, Neil and me cooking or me doing a talk doing one of my talks or something like that. And, but in general, he's just a super awesome guy too. Uh, and so, yeah, I just wanted to give some love to Andreas Kalani. Uh, and it's just on an Instagram. That's his handle, Andreas Kalani. And, um, yeah. Thank you, Andreas. You're the man. So as
2: usual, I'll have links to each of these, um, up in the show notes on the website at knifetalk.net. Um, that's a show, that's a show, um, what we really don't need this week is people bombarding me with DMs saying when's the show up on Spotify, when's the show up I don't know when the show is up on Spotify I just put the show up and it, it'll land there when it comes um, we have people really sort of <laughs> I think they, they, they're getting withdrawal symptoms, they're, the sh- they're gone cold turkey and get the shakes um, it'll be up there, it'll be up there soon so the, the first place it'll be <laughs> will be the website that will automatically spit out then to iTunes to the Apple Podcasts app and to Spotify,
4: and it's not like it's not like we've it's not like we've forgotten, you know. So so you don't have to go out of your minds thinking, oh, we I got to remind Craig to put the goddamn thing up. He's on it. (laughs) Craig is on it. He's going to do whatever it takes to get us going. And sometimes we have issues, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes things are slow. Some things are fast. We're doing our best. He's working hard. To get this podcast regular and sometimes yeah. things happen, but rem- just, re- you don't have to remind us. This isn't like, you know, you know what you should do. You should put the podcast up. You know, We're going to get it up. You know, we're going to get it up. He's going to get it up. He's going to do everything he can. going to get it up. All right, we're making a big effort to
2: to make this podcast as, as good as it can be, too. So the three of us have just invested in some more equipment, so the sound will be better. Um, so you will notice that over the coming weeks, the sound's going to improve um, massively. Um, but thank you for sticking with us. Thank you so much, because if we didn't have any listeners, we'd still do the show. Um, but it's nice to be, get some feedback from you guys and to, you know, to have questions from you and to, le- and to learn from you guys as well, to get your tips.
4: Yeah, Absolutely. Plus, we're getting involved with some new companies down the line that are going to give really great value. So, we're working to help you out too. So, you know, and we'll see. Just, you know, just remember. You don't have to remind him. You don't have to remind him to put it up. (laughs) He knows. He knows. Trust me.
2: That's the show. We're going to do this one thing, which we do occasionally. 30 seconds of joy. What Within 30 seconds, let's start with Jeff, what uh, happened this week? 30 seconds of joyful? joy.
4: All right. 30 seconds of joy. My daughter was with a friend and a couple of friends, and she, one of her friends was having some problems. And my daughter took it upon herself to help this person in a way that was very impressive to my wife and I. She unsolicitedly helped this person who needed help, and she was very kind and thoughtful and generous, and we were very, very impressed with her decision-making. So my 30 seconds of joy is with my, my daughter, who I'm not worried about. She's fantastic. There you go. No problem. That's awesome.
2: All what right. have you got, Miracle? 30 seconds of joy. Yesterday,
3: I took my son uh, to a skate park, uh, that's local to where we live and he took his little strider bike so it's a pedalless bicycle for uh, young kids who are just learning how to basically it's called a balance bike um and so it it doesn't have pedals, so it allows the kids to focus on just keep learning how to balance on a bicycle. Because really, that's actually the hardest part about riding a bike. And so he took it. We took it to the skate park, and he's such a little daredevil. He was going down ramps and doing all this stuff. He'd never done it before, and he's like, "Sure, let's try this. I might break my face open, but why not?" Uh, and he did have a couple falls, but he he fell with grace. He just got right back up and got back to it. He was having too much fun to stop and whine about
2: it so it was great Super. it was a lot of fun that's nice awesome. nice mine is going to be i mean i should follow line and talk about kids like you two have um <laughs> but it's, it's gonna have to be the rugby yesterday so wales winning 25 7 winning the grand slam winning the championship becoming the greatest rugby team in the world that's it
4: uh-huh.
2: congratulations but that's the show we shall speak to you again next monday bye-bye
4: see you later bye-bye